championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com, your home for everything Lakers. Let's talk a little Lakers basketball. I know. Hopefully, you all just caught the end of that Dodgers game as well. That saw the Dodgers advance past the Giants 2-1. to one. Gotta love that. But coming off of that, we gotta talk about the Lakers. Uh, unfortunately, did not win 0-6 now in preseason, falling to the Sacramento Kings. LeBron had a very nice game, but let's break down exactly what happened in this one. I thought we saw some good things. We also saw some bad things that could be concerns moving forward. We're going to dive into all of that. We'll talk a little bit about Russell Westbrook, who I thought was a lot better. I need to talk a bit about DeAndre Jordan as well. We've got some things to dive into with him and, of course, Anthony Davis, the performance he had a little bit forgettable on the offensive end of the floor. And of course, I'm going to be taking all of your questions and comments as well. So if you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome in. As you can see, solo show tonight. We did not intend to be. Actually, Scorpio Sky was going to come back on as kind of an impromptu thing. But we had a little technical difficulty. So again, appreciate Scorpio Sky for being willing to come back on here uh, with us. We'll have to get him on next time. But uh, yeah, unfortunately, we had some technical issues. So you get me, just me and all of you so let's talk some lakers basketball final score on the night the lakers do fall 116 to 112 you look at the box score and it's pretty clear what happened the lakers lost because of threes that's really what it came down to the lakers took 29 threes on the night made nine of them that's 31 percent the kings meanwhile took 47 47 threes on the night which I mean, it was a lot more than the Lakers took, but still not even that many compared to, say, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, made 17 of them, good for 36%. So 17 made threes for the War for the Kings, 9 made threes for the Lakers, and that right there is the game. That's, that's the difference. The Kings took and made more threes than the Lakers did, and that made a major difference in the outcome of this game. The Lakers, 15 turnovers. Actually, we're in the double digits at halftime. So 15 to finish with, not bad. A lot better than what we've seen recently. But again, the three-point shooting for the Kings allowed them to continue to one-up the Lakers. Every time the Lakers got a stop, every time the Lakers got a score, the Kings came back and would hit another three. It felt like they just didn't stop coming with the three-point attempts. And in particular, look at Terrence Davis, six for 13 from deep off the bench for the Kings for 20 points. That, again, the... The three-pointer can be the great equalizer. Of course, let's remember the Lakers three-point shooters. Before we start saying, why aren't the Lakers shooting more threes? Their three-point shooters are all hurt right now. <laughs> They're all sidelined. You know, we look at, at Kendrick Nunn, Wayne Ellington, Malik Monk, Trevor Ariza. These are all guys that we expected to space the floor for the Lakers. And of course, Taylor Horton Tucker's hurt as well. And that's another guy who we thought could at least start to become a threat from behind the arc and we did see that before the uh before the injury did occur with him so the three-point shot really was the difference maker tonight uh overall though i thought the lakers did a nice job in terms of bringing a bit more energy i still didn't feel like we played at 100 percent. we saw them push down on the gas pedal maybe 75 percent of the way in this one which is to be expected in preseason and in particular I think the closeouts to the three-point shot have got to be a lot faster. There's got to be a lot more commitment to defending the three-point line. Look, the Kings, they're a team that's going to shoot a lot of threes, but the Lakers also gave up a lot of wide-open threes. And so that's a concern. Not so much the fact that the Kings shot so many. We knew they were going to shoot a lot, a lot of threes. 
but it's the number of open attempts that they got from this Lakers defense. That's the concern there. We also saw in the second half, the Lakers defense gave up some layups as well. So that is definitely a problem there, as particularly the bench unit was a defensive concern. So we'll break down all this. We'll get into the specifics of it, but let me get to some of your questions and comments here. And by the way, we do have to mention, somebody just did a super chat, Larry Wolfolk with Dodgers and a bunch of exclamation points. Yeah, I got to love it. That was a great finish that uh, the Dodgers were able to win there. But when I look at this game and I've got people saying, well, if they can't beat the Kings, who are they going to beat? Look, that on one hand, that's fair, but you also saw what happened with the Lakers lineup. They went to the bench players down the stretch rather than try, try to win the game. And I'm talking about the South Bay Lakers to close out the game rather than push for a win. They could have. They could have put LeBron back in the game and gone for the win and all that, and they didn't. They didn't. Um, instead, they put in the South Bay Lakers. Regular season, LeBron's going in, and maybe that will be a win for the Lakers. Uh, we've got somebody said AD looks slow, and another person said, AD did not look good tonight. AD, 5 for 18 shooting. And a number of his shots were coming from uh, from the paint. And they were just rimming out. And that's certainly an issue there for the Lakers. That's something where you've got to hope that he is able to, to hit those in the future. Because he's not going to shoot 5 for 18 every night. That's for sure. 12 boards, 2 blocks. You'll take that 14 points. It was not a great performance out of Anthony Davis. And that's where if you get even an average performance out of him, then you're winning this game. But I would chalk this up to just being a few missed shots and more of a kind of a fluky night. I didn't think it was terrible, although he did finish as a minus 22 on the night. Part of that is because it was AD leading the bench units primarily, and the bench units really struggled when LeBron went off the floor. And this is something that we've seen in the past. When LeBron goes off the floor, the bench unit really, really struggles for the Lakers. And we had hoped that that would not be the case again this season. Tonight, that was definitely the case. As soon as LeBron went out, the Lakers just started to get lit up. And that's something where defensively, I think Frank Vogel's got to rotate players uh, in a bit, bit more. But again, you're missing a lot of pieces. All right, let's see. Let me get into some of your questions and comments. A lot of people pumped up about the Dodgers. I agree. People people sending out uh, Bellinger with a bunch of exclamation points. Uh, Hater from YouTube said, Trevor, please talk about HBK. He's been one of the bright spots thus far. Yeah, let's talk about that. Austin Reeves, HBK. Um, he was in those bench units that were getting lit up, but I think he's this guy where... The better the players are around him, the easier it is for him to fit in because he can just focus on doing simple things. It's when you're asking him, and remember, he's a rookie, when you put him in a role where he has to do more things in order for that lineup to be successful, that's where it starts to be become more of a struggle, and that's totally to be expected. What I love is that when he's in a lineup, in fact, one of the Lakers' best lineups was Hall of Fame veterans and HBK and Austin Reeves. It was LeBron, Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, that grouping on the floor with Austin Reeves as kind of the odd man out in that group. And he was great. And here's the other thing. Here's what I really like is it's not just that he's making winning plays. It's not just that he's making smart plays out there on the floor. It's also the way the veteran players react to him. We've seen this in games before where 
a rookie is out there or a young player is out there and the veterans, the rookie or the young player pops free in the corner, the ball doesn't get to them, right? They know that there's a decent chance that that player is not going to make the correct decision and they don't give him the ball. That's not happening with Austin Reeves. That's not happening with Austin Reeves at all. In fact, you've seen LeBron trying to find him with the ball. You've seen the other guys trying to find him with the ball. And that, to me, that just tells us that what we're seeing on the court during preseason games, and remember, the Lakers have had a lot more time in practice than they have in preseason games. So what we're seeing is a smaller sample size than what the players and the coaching staff has seen in totality, right? So what we're seeing, though, is being confirmed by the way the players are acting and reacting to what Austin Reeves is doing. They are not treating him like a young player. They're treating him like somebody that they trust. And that's so key. That tells us that what's happening in practices, what's happening in training camps, it's the same thing as what's happening out there on the floor and what we're seeing right now. They expect him to make the right play. And you got to love that about a young player that, again, was undrafted. Yes, he had an opportunity to get drafted, but went undrafted. And now the Lakers have found him. And it feels like he could really be a rotation piece for the Lakers this season. Now, again, we don't want the expectations to get too high. Sometimes we have this thing where we get a player that's late in the draft. You get him in the second round and your expectations are so low that if that player does anything, you go, oh my gosh, this player is great because you didn't have those massive expectations, right? Anthony Davis had 12 rebounds tonight. And because he was five for 18, I've got people in the chat saying, what's wrong with him? Something's wrong with Anthony Davis. He's washed, blah, 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 blah. Because the expectations are very different for an Anthony Davis than they are for Austin Reeves, right? The challenge is sometimes our expectations are so low when we get so hyped up about a player, when they do a few good things, that then the expectations rise and they get to be too high for that player. Now, so we want to be careful with that. Don't expect him to be a starter or anything like that. Don't expect him to be getting major regular season minutes, but I think he's proven at the moment that he is not out of place, that he fits in, that if you need to call upon him, you can trust him. And that's so key. I don't, there's very few players his age with his level of experience that you can say that about. So great, great performance again from Austin Reeves. Did not shoot as well, two for nine, obviously one for eight, but seven assists, the passing really stood out. So again, solid performance from him, and I'm excited about what he can bring moving forward. Uh, somebody commented, uh, Russ and DeAndre played well. Yeah, I do want to get into that. Oh, uh, Akuda Bavadas from YouTube, the Super Chat, said, hey, Trev, question. Uh, if our excuse is that it's only the preseason, wouldn't that be the case for every team as well? So doesn't it have to be concerning that we're losing so much? Uh, look, there's when you're 0-6 in preseason, yes, there's some concern there. But it's a little bit different in terms of younger players. Younger players are going to go all out in preseason, right? So when you're playing younger teams, they're going to go with everything that they've got. And the Sacramento crowd was certainly fired up, fired up, and the Kings were pushing for a win and all of that, right? They wanted to give their crowd a good show and, and everything. And they are a younger team. They're going to take preseason more seriously than the Lakers are. That's just the way that it goes. But there is a, an element of truth to what you're saying, though, too. If we're saying it's preseason, everybody else is saying it's preseason too. I would say the Lakers being kind of the grumpy veterans, right? They're going to take preseason less seriously than pretty much every other team will. But that is still true. We can't just, I feel like right now, most people, most Lakers fans are somewhere in two camps where 
that either the sky is falling, this is awful, and the Lakers are terrible, and they're never going to win a game again, and oh my gosh, the world's ending, right? That's one extreme. And then we've got the other extreme saying, it's preseason, it doesn't matter at all, none of this means anything, the Lakers are winning the championship, right? I think the truth, like a lot of things, lies somewhere in the middle. On one hand, yes, it's preseason and the effort isn't that great, right? But that doesn't mean that there's nothing we can take away from this. That doesn't mean that there aren't some legitimate concerns. Like I said, the three-point defense, if that doesn't get fixed, that's something that will really hurt in the regular season. In fact, the Lakers are going to get torched opening night if they defend the three-point line the way they did tonight against the Kings. If they do that against the Warriors, that's a big, big problem, right? We also have to remember, though, that rotations are changing up a lot, and the Lakers have already dealt with a billion injuries, right? You've got other teams that have been able to use preseason to get some momentum, get some chemistry. There are teams who came over from last year, where like the Phoenix Suns, where they're pretty much the same guys, so they already have chemistry. The Lakers, any chemistry they could have built was oftentimes disrupted by so many players being hurt. The Lakers had intended to spend the final two days deploying, or two games, deploying what was going to be their regular season rotation. Guess what? Can't really do that because so many guys are on the sideline right now. So that's given them another thing to deal with. And I think that also is true, right? When we look at the Lakers, we can say there's problems preseason. You can't just, you know, brush it all under the rug. But there's also a reason why some of these problems have existed. And some of that is effort. Some of that is injuries. Some of that uh, is a lot of things that we can chalk it up to. So again, where does that leave us? Probably somewhere in the middle right? Is this team this dominant destroyer? No, not right now. Do we think they're probably better than what we've seen in preseason? Yes. Okay. That, that's where I fall on this. Somebody said Lakers have lost their defensive identity. Yeah. The defensive identity has not, the defense hasn't looked good. And remember the Lakers consciously made a, made a decision. We are going to test Frank Vogel here. We're going to bring in a bunch of players who individually are not known as great defenders. And we're going to trust that Frank Vogel really is one of the best defensive coaches in the NBA. And he's going to get a good defensive performance out of them. Hasn't happened yet. But again, we're six preseason games in with a constant, sh constantly shuffling lineup. Remember, defense is all about getting all five guys on the same page. Yes, individually, they need the skill sets in order to defend at a high level, right? You have to be smart about it, though. You've got to work together. All five guys have to be on a string because NBA offenses, they're too good. They will exploit you if you are not. If you are out of sync at all, they will score on you. They will sniff that out. They will find where you make a mistake and they will score, particularly the best teams in the NBA. So defensively, yes, they've got a lot of work to do, but maybe that's not a surprise. Again, the Lakers took a gamble in bringing in players that aren't known for their defense. They're trusting that Frank Vogel can turn them into a good defense, but that's not something that happens overnight. It's not like he gets somebody, has them in training camp for a week, and then suddenly you've got a great team defender. No, it's going to take time. That's going to be a work in progress this season and will probably be a little bit frustrating early on. Uh Ballhog Sports from YouTube said, DeAndre Jordan, 12 points, 11 rebounds, one block, 85% from the field. Yeah, so this is, we've been hearing out of Lakers practices that DeAndre Jordan's looked really, really good. We didn't see that in the preseason games. He got to the games and we saw, 
DeAndre Jordan that did not look good. DeAndre Jordan that was not mobile at all. DeAndre Jordan that couldn't get off the ground. It's not pretty. I think tonight we saw the DeAndre Jordan that we were kind of hoping to see. Good and bad, right? I mean, we DeAndre Jordan just was what we expected him to be. He had the deficiencies that we would have expected in terms of when he gets put into a pick and roll situation, he drops into the paint. Sometimes his ability to contest jumpers is not so great there. But he also kept plays alive, was a factor on the glass, blocked some shots, had some tip-ins at the rim. He did DeAndre Jordan things tonight. So that was good to see. It was comforting to see DeAndre Jordan be DeAndre Jordan because we hadn't seen that in the first few games. We had seen him look like a shell of himself. We saw the bad without the good. Tonight, we saw the bad. We saw some, some struggles in terms of, of uh, defense, particularly defending the pick and roll, but we knew that was going to be the case. And then we saw the good that he can also bring. So I think that was a positive on the night for the Lakers. Shaheen from YouTube said, we should tell Kyrie the Lakers won't force him to get vaccinated and then trade Westbrook for him. It's not the Lakers choice. It's not the Nets choice either. They don't get a choice in the matter. Like the, the Nets chose to not have him play road games with them, but that's it. I mean, I guess if you're saying that the Lakers should trade for Kyrie and then also be okay with him only playing in half the games when they travel right? Because you're going to have the same situation in LA as you would in New York. I know you're probably joking, but yeah, that's, I don't think that's something that they're going to do. And I don't think the Nets are going to trade Kyrie at this moment anyway. By the way, Keith Smith and I went through their, um, uh, the Nets whole situation with his contract on the NBA front office show, which was published a few hours ago. So if you're, if you haven't subscribed yet to that channel, make sure you do it and go check out that episode because we just broke down everything going on with Kyrie and the Nets. Pretty fascinating, especially the extension getting pulled for him. Yeah. Could lead to Kyrie's days in Brooklyn being over at the, at the end of this season. I broke all that down. Make sure you guys check that out. All right. Let's see what else you guys have for us. Let's see what else you've got. All right, let's talk about Russell Westbrook. Let's get into that. So Russell Westbrook, tonight, 7 for 12, shooting 1 for 3 from 3, 3 turnovers, 3 boards, 5 assists, 3 steals, 18 points. I like tonight's performance from Russell Westbrook. 1 of 3 from 3 as well, 3 of 6 from the free throw line. It was not a perfect performance by any means. It was not, but... I thought a lot of the adjustments that we've talked about here, a lot of the adjustments that he's talked about, he made. Look at the last few games. What has been the problem with Russell Westbrook the last few games? The biggest issue, number one, been turnovers. He has gotten them in bunches. Where has he gotten so many turnovers? A lot of it was overpassing, okay? Getting to the rim and trying to force passes out of that situation. Tonight, we didn't see that. And we said this was going to be the fix. Rather than having the mindset of a passer, remember, he came in saying, my job is to make everybody around me better. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make everybody's lives easier. That's my plan. That was Westbrook's mentality coming in. The problem was every team played him to be a passer. And so those passing lanes weren't there. And he was still trying to throw those passes and getting them picked off. And so the turnovers were piling up for him. Well, what has he done? How do you fix that? 
you start shooting, you start attacking the basket to score, and then guess what's going to happen? The passing lanes are going to open up because defenses are going to start to stay at home a little bit at the rim to try to stop those drives. Tonight, he was much more aggressive as a scorer. That was an important fix. And then you read what the defense does from there. Again, three turnovers for a fairly high usage rate guard. We'll take that. It's not great, not terrible. We'll take it, right? Three turnovers for Russell Westbrook. I thought he made some really nice plays out there, attacking the basket, scoring the ball. This was much more like the Westbrook Lakers fans thought they were going to get compared to the guy that we've seen the last few games. So again, not a perfect performance. I think there's better days to come for Westbrook, but this is a big step in the right direction, what we saw tonight from him. So good stuff there. All right, let's see. Uh, somebody said, Russ will be Russ. Believe that. Yeah, look, Russell Westbrook turns into, into Russ. I like what he's done um, in this game. I thought that he looked a lot more like himself. And some of that might just be, it was preseason. And that's why... You know, that, that's why he uh, didn't look quite like himself for those first few games. All right, so Leroy Long from Facebook said, is none okay and ready to play? So here's what we've got right now. And I'm going to get into some of the wards in just a minute. I want to give you guys an update on the situation with injuries. So at the moment, it's looking like we know for certain THT, Trevor Ariza, out. They're out for a while. THT, four weeks, going to get reevaluated. Ariza, eight weeks, but that was of about a week ago. So seven more weeks, probably, until Ariza gets reevaluated. Unfortunately, Wayne Ellington, sounds like he's going to be out for the season opener. Most likely, Lakers did an MRI, found out that he has a grade one hamstring strain. So that's one of your top shooters out. Uh, Nunn and Monk, Kendrick Nunn and Malik Monk, there is hope, fingers crossed, that they will be back for opening night. I think tonight, I mean, I mean, look, like I said, pretty much all of the Lakers three-point shooters were out. I think tonight would have made a big difference to have Monk and Nunn out there as options off the bench, and they were not there. So hopefully opening night, those two will be ready to go. Sounds likely Ellington will be out, and we know Ariza and THT also out. Something we have to keep in mind when we're looking at this team. Uh, Nepton from YouTube said, <clears throat> what happened to Kent Bazemore? He looks lost. Uh, Kent Bazemore, you know what? He had a bit of a rough night. Three for eight shooting, two for six from three. That's not terrible. Two assists, nine points. Uh, but there were a number of times where he would get on the break and it would get kind of messy there. He did hit a couple of corner threes, but it was just an okay performance from, from Bazemore. He's, it's a bit of an experience when he's attacking the basket. When he's just a spot-up shooter and he's a defender, he's okay. Bazemore cutting to the rim, though, you can see, you saw the Sacramento Kings, they recognized that Bazemore was going to struggle a bit when he's attacking the rim, and they saw that as an opportunity to get turnovers and get blocks, and they really converged on him. So Bazemore attacking the basket, not so much his thing, but I didn't think it was a terrible night from him, just wasn't a great night. Uh, Benjamin. From YouTube, does Vogel help coach individual defense? Is not, if not, who does? You know, a lot of the, the different coaches will coach defense. They'll coach offense. It's not like, hey, this is this guy's job. This is that guy's job. They'll coach a lot of different things. 
but Vogel in general is a defense first coach. All right, let me get into some of your other comments in here. All right. I'm seeing some of your comments about banning people and stuff like that. Guys, I get so many comments coming through that I would have to see that comment on the screen at that moment in order to, to ban it. So if I see something, I will. Oh, in fact, I see one right now. Goodbye. There you go. Guys, if I see them, I'll get them. It's easier when it's me and I've got one or more guests on, but when it's just me, it's harder to, to go through them. But just got the one I think that most of you were complaining about. Anyway, let's talk a little bit about the 360 award tonight. Told you guys that's going to be one of our awards. Uh, this season, we're going to have the 360 award. We'll have the next man up award. And of course, the master lock of the night, the 360 award, the best of the Lakers star players, the best of the stars tonight. It's LeBron James. Look, Anthony Davis had an off night shooting. I thought Russell Westbrook was just fine. But LeBron, 12 for 20 from the field, 30 points, six boards, six assists, two blocks, three turnovers, two of five from deep. A great performance from him. Again, you would expect the Lakers win with a performance like that out of LeBron James. We talked about why they didn't get the W in this one, but nice performance out of him. He looks like he's ready to go for the regular season. Was that one scary moment when he kind of grabbed his leg? We all held our breath. Uh, I was refreshing as quickly as I could to see if anybody in the arena was saying anything about what was going on. But on replay, you could see exactly what happened. Mo Harkless, uh, his knee came up and just caught LeBron right in the calf muscle. Uh, it's, it's like a Charlie horse effect. And that's and that was it. And he's okay. So thankfully, he's good. LeBron James, absolutely deserving of the 360 award tonight. I thought he was clearly the best of the Lakers stars. People saying that was super scary. Yeah, it absolutely was. Uh, somebody said, after seeing the highlights, LeBron will win MVP. I don't know if he's going to push for the MVP award, but I do think that it's interesting how many people are writing off LeBron. Around the league, how many people are saying LeBron's too old that are just completely dismissing that he was the MVP up until the point when he got hurt last season, right? If LeBron was healthy last season, the entire season, if he didn't have Solomon Hill roll up on his ankle last season, LeBron is the MVP. Right? Not Nikola Jokic. And Jokic was great, but LeBron would have been the MVP. That's what all the votes showed. What every poll showed. LeBron was the favorite to win the MVP. And we're just dismissing that. Like, oh, he's just not that guy anymore. This was like six months ago. <laughs> I think he's going to have a very good season. I'm excited about what we're going to see out of LeBron James. Uh, somebody said Rondo can't get a bunch of minutes this season. He was horrible tonight. Yeah, this was not a good performance out of Rondo. Five turnovers, a lot of them on those hit-ahead passes. The Lakers were a little over-aggressive with their hit-ahead passes. That was in my game notes. They were throwing them when they weren't there. Rondo in particular, I know his job is to get AD the ball, but he was really forcing it when the pass wasn't there. And the Kings were picking those off consistently. Again, that shows with five turnovers from Rondo. And so I think they were just a little bit too aggressive 
in trying to get that pass to AD. The Kings were, re were reading it quite a bit. Now, AD has to seal a little bit better. That's that's partly on him, but it's also on Rondo. I think on most nights, he will be better than that. And I'm hesitant to say, oh, well, based on this performance, Rondo simply can't get minutes in the regular season. He was really good last game. So this is just a down game. That's what I'm going to chalk it up to. I don't think the Lakers intended to rely on major minutes from Rajon Rondo. Uh, tonight was not a good performance, but overall in preseason, I've been fairly impressed with him. So I'm not going to assume that he's just an unusable player or something like that. I don't think that tonight is indicative of the level that Rondo is, is at truly as a player. So I'm going to just chalk it up to one bad night for Rondo at this point until he proves otherwise. Uh, Lakers 1993 from YouTube, the super chat. Thank you. Said Anthony Davis needs to lose weight. He lost speed. We were just talking about how AD bulked up about how he was looking stronger. And I mean, I don't think that he's lost speed or fluidity or anything like that. Let's see what he looks like when the regular season starts. Uh, he was missing that mid range jumper and that jumper was money during uh, the bubble in the playoffs in 2020. That was a big part of his game that was not falling tonight. In fact, even his his little uh, little runner in the lane was not falling. He was missing a lot. Hopefully that can get back on track, but I don't think that's a strength thing. Jerome Montgomery from YouTube said before Embiid got hurt, he was the front runner for MVP. Incorrect. Uh, if you go back, you look at the big ESPN poll where they pulled all essentially all of the MVP voters. Right before LeBron got hurt, this came out. Uh, and they ran the poll to find out who was going to be the MVP at that point. And it came out overwhelmingly in favor of LeBron James. And again, don't get me wrong. Joel Embiid had a great season. Certainly could make an argument for him. Jokic could make an argument for him. But at the time, LeBron was the favorite to win the MVP award. Universal Mind. Austin Reeves is playing like a starter or a strong sixth man. Again, let's not push too much onto him too soon. Okay, remember he is still a rookie and it's going to take time. But so far, what we've seen has been very good. So far, what the Lakers have thrown at him has not been too much. But remember, there's a difference between summer league and preseason. And there's a difference between preseason and the regular season, just like there's a difference between the regular season and the playoffs in terms of intensity. Each one of those things is a significant step up. Okay, so with young players, you don't want to throw too much at them too fast. So far, Austin Reeves has handled everything the Lakers have thrown at him. Hopefully that continues, but you don't want to just throw him into the deep end and say, guess what? You're a starter now, right? You want to bring him along a little bit more slowly. Let him build off of success. Okay. He's on a team full of veterans so far has been great, but let's let him have success and build upon that first rather than just say, oh, hey, you've been pretty good. So here's a starting job and hope you can manage it, right? You don't want to do that to a young player. You want to continue to let him build up slowly. <laughs> Somebody commented, we can't get anywhere if we can't close out the game. Uh, did you see who was closing out the game? It was the South Bay Lakers. The Lakers closed out the game with their entire bench. If they were really trying to win that game, they would have put LeBron back in. And again, they did play with more energy than we've seen in the past, but they did not play the fourth quarter to win that game. That's just not what they did. 
All right, let's get into the Next Man Up Award. So for the Next Man Up Award, remember, we give this out to the best non-star, the best guy who stepped up that's not one of the Lakers stars. So chat, let me know what you guys think. Who do you think should get that award tonight? I know we've got a lot of different players that we could turn to. You look and say Carmelo Anthony with 15 points, three of four from deep. Liked that. Some of the defensive concerns that were there, though, and he was part of those bench units that were uh, that were not so great. Dwight Howard. <laughs> Dwight Howard, 5,013 minutes. Uh, he had four fouls in six minutes at one point. Dwight Howard was a foul machine, but also had some pretty spectacular blocks. So he's somebody that we could certainly mention in here. But no, if I'm going to give anybody the next man up award tonight, and again, there's a lot of guys we could talk about. Austin Reeves, so impressed with his passing, seven assists. Great. The next man up tonight, I didn't think this was ever going to happen. I'll be honest. I did not think this was going to happen this season. But the next man up is DeAndre Jordan. 11 boards, one block, 12 points, 6 of 7 shooting, plus 14 on the night. He was good. He was good. Again, we talked about this a little bit ago, but he was good on the night. He did have his flaws. He had his drawbacks. But I thought tonight... We saw DeAndre Jordan that was a problem on the boards for the Kings that kept plays alive, that was batting, batting the ball out, kind of Tyson Chandler style a few times. That's DeAndre Jordan's game. That's what he does. Had a couple of nice drop-off passes from Russell Westbrook that he was able to finish with dunks. I thought DeAndre Jordan was good tonight and is worthy of the next man up award in just 15 minutes. Again, 12 points, 11 boards, a double-double, plus threw in a block shot in just 15 minutes. That is a nice night's work, night work, night's work. So DeAndre Jordan, good one. And I've got some people in the chat saying they weren't expecting it as well. Yeah, and it was a nice performance from him, and it was great to see. All right, let's see. I've got a lot of people. Chat, you guys are agreeing with me on this. I've got a lot of people saying, DeAndre Jordan was indeed the next man up. All right. You guys saw it too. It was a nice night for him. All credit to DeAndre Jordan. Look good. Now, that leads us into another discussion though. The starting lineup. What's it going to be? I think tonight we saw it's going to include DeAndre Jordan. I, I really do. Because it wasn't just DeAndre Jordan. It was also that the non-DeAndre or the non-big lineups looked bad. I mean, normally we look at things and we say, Anthony Davis at center, that's the solution to everything, and that's going to be great. Not tonight. Tonight, the big lineup was what worked. The starters built leads. The starters played well. The bench unit lost them by a lot. Defensively, didn't work out. So I think the Lakers do start the season off as with a starting five of Westbrook, Bazemore, LeBron, Anthony Davis, and DeAndre Jordan. I think that's what it's going to look like. Now, again, I'm not expecting this kind of performance out of Jordan night in and night out, but it did seem like that was the better lineup here. And part of that, again, is the bench unit. And remember, the bench unit is very depleted because so many injuries, right? So that that's something that we have to factor in. It's not like I want everybody saying, oh, the Lakers bench is just terrible. Defensively, there's some concerns. And I don't know that the guys that are out right now, when they come back, are going to change a whole lot defensively in terms of Nunn, Monk, Ellington, we don't know those guys as being great defenders. However, uh, I think that the smaller lineup did not look very good tonight. It was okay in the last game against the Warriors, but
But again, the big lineup I thought did well enough to where that will probably be. And who knows, Frank Vogel may say after the game, he'll probably not, but you know, he may give us some hints. But in my mind, I thought the big lineup looked good and you can still go small. Let's say the Lakers start big against the Warriors and it's very clear that's not working. You can very easily switch that and go small and just make DeAndre Jordan your first sub. And then you bring in, say, Austin Reeves or somebody like that uh, for him. And the next thing you know, AD is your five. So it's an easy thing to adjust. But I do think that the big lineup looked good enough tonight to where that's probably the starting lineup on Tuesday. People saying Bazemore is underwhelming. Bazemore is not good. Bazemore is, he's kind of Caruso slash Danny Green slash, you know, like, like those types of players. Avery Bradley-esque in that a lot of the value they provide is on the defensive end of the floor, which sometimes is easier to sp or, or more difficult to spot, particularly with a wing defender, right? With a guy who puts themselves in the right spot when they're off the ball, that can be a little bit tougher to spot. Now, he's not on that that level. He's not at the same caliber, I believe, as Caruso, as Danny Green, as those those players, but he's kind of in that, that tier, right? Where that's what he's going to do. He's going to have that mindset of defense first. And I think that's going to matter for Frank Vogel. I've also got Bazemore in the starting lineup, not because he's been so lights out good, but also because there's not anybody else. I'm not going to throw Austin Reeves into the deep end. So Wayne Ellington's injured. Malik Monk is coming off an injury. Kendrick Nunn is coming off of an injury. THT is injured. Who else are you starting at the two? You don't have any, anybody else really. So he kind of gets it by default, but I also think defensively, he's on a different level than the other guys that are competing for that spot. If he can just, if, if Bazemore was limited to just spot up threes and defend at a high level, that's pretty good. I think where he gets himself into trouble is when he's attacking the basket because he has trouble finishing at the rim. But again, spot up three, Bazemore, and defense Bazemore, not bad. It's not flashy. It's not the kind of thing that's going to jump off the screen at you and make you go, whoa, that guy's really good, but it can help your team win games. All right. Uh, Luis Adriano said, when do you think this roster will start clicking? Uh, we've been saying for a while now, it's going to take time. It's going to take time for the roster to really come together. I think tonight we saw some positive steps forward. Now the Lakers get, they get tomorrow, they get Saturday, they get Sunday, they get Monday, and then they play. So you get some time to work on things in practice and hopefully grow that much more. But I do think we saw some positive steps forward tonight. We also saw some issues, right? The three-point defense, that was a big one tonight. I thought the turnovers, a little bit better, particularly in the second half. The Lakers cut down on those turnovers. They stopped trying to fling those hit-ahead passes so often when that wasn't really there, slowed down a little bit, and they didn't turn the ball over as much. So that was a positive. Again, we're seeing growth, but the question is, is it going to happen fast enough in order for them to rack up wins early in the season? Remember, the early schedule is pretty light, okay? You start with the Warriors and the Suns. That's tough. But then after that, the schedule gets a lot lighter. You get the Grizzlies and some teams like that coming in. It's an easy schedule early. That makes it that much more important, though, that you stack up those wins while you can because we're going to be in for some lean times in the second half of the schedule where there's going to be a stretch of five or six games where you're playing all playoff teams because the schedule is light early. You have to beat the teams that you're supposed to. 
And that's my one concern is that the lack of chemistry is going to cause the Lakers to drop some games to some teams that they shouldn't. And that can come back and haunt them in the second half of the schedule. So how quickly is the chemistry going to come together? I'm not sure. I'm hoping that it comes together to a degree where it puts them in a spot to beat the, I don't want to say bad teams, but the mediocre teams that they're going to see early on in the schedule. I think that's going to be really, really important. And so don't write that off. If you see them dropping games to the Grizzlies, dropping games to the Cavs and, and teams like that, on one hand, yes, it's a team that's coming together still and, and there's going to be some chemistry issues. There's going to be some bumps in the road. But just remember that each one of those losses has to be negated by some other wins that you weren't expecting them to pick up later on. The key to winning in the NBA, the key to playoff seating in the NBA is beating the teams you're supposed to beat. And that's my concern going in is that the Lakers will struggle against some teams that they shouldn't. And that record-wise is going to knock them back a bit. I just hope it doesn't knock them back too far. I'm seeing a lot of people who are anti-Frank Vogel in the chat. And I think that's a very, e very quick, very easy response to any kind of problem that we see from any team is to immediately say, oh, it's the coach, right? That's what we do. Now, I, look, I'm not saying Frank Vogel is perfect. But I am saying that he's built up enough equity to where the knee-jerk reaction shouldn't be, it's the coach, fire the coach, get rid of him. He won a championship his first year with the Lakers. He maintained one of the best defenses in the NBA, despite having players consistently shuffling in and out of his lineup due to injury last season. That's really hard for a coach to do, right? That tells you that he's coaching some solid principles there, particularly defensively. Very fair to, to criticize the Lakers offense. At no point during Vogel's tenure has I have I thought the Lakers offense looked good. In fact, it's been a long time, a long time, like, a decade since I thought the Lakers offense looked good. The Lakers haven't had a pretty offense in ages. Okay. And my hope was that David Fisdale coming in would kind of take over the offensive portion of things and he would be able to institute some changes from what we've heard. Some of the changes have been a little bit of a challenge and that's created some uncertainty and some chemistry issues on the offensive end as they're trying to pick things up that hopefully will change as they move forward, right? Hopefully things will start clicking for them. But the knee-jerk reaction to preseason struggles shouldn't instantly be, this is on the coach. You've got, what, 11 new players on a 14-man roster and injuries that you're dealing with on top of that? I know it's frustrating seeing them lose six in a row, especially like one tonight that they really shouldn't have lost. They've had a few games here that they shouldn't have lost, and yet they did. That's frustrating, but you don't get rid of a coach who won a championship and then with what he did last season defensively, which I thought was commendable, you don't just get rid of him because of a bad run in preseason. Okay. Now I will say though, if we get through December, we get into January, we get into February and the Lakers aren't where they should be. If the Lakers are sitting around as like a bubble team or something like that, then yeah, the, the seat is going to start getting hot for Frank Vogel because remember they only extended him for one year, one more year. That's what they extended him for. So I do expect that if we don't start to see results by the midway point of the season, yeah, Frank Vogel's seat might start getting a little bit hot. But what I am saying is that so far, what he's done in his two years with the Lakers, he's built up enough equity to where the knee-jerk reaction should not be fire the coach on six preseason losses. That's my take on it anyway. 
McNasty from YouTube says, what other coaches are even there? Yeah, that's the other thing. If you fire Frank Vogel, who is it that you're going to get? Are you going to go like, are you calling up Phil Jackson or something and trying to talk him into coming out of retirement and coming back to coach the lake? Like, who are you going to replace him with at this point? I think that's something you have to consider too. Uh, somebody said Vogel's bad at timeouts, calling plays. They have no sets or anything. Uh, the equity is off LeBron's back. I, I mean, we saw a few plays tonight. In fact, we saw a double pin down screen for Carmelo Anthony. They got him a 15 foot jumper. He missed the shot, but it was a really nice play that the Lakers ran. I think sometimes we look at things and we say, and we see a play that fails and we just assume there was no play or there was no plan. Sometimes other teams just read what you're doing. Keep in mind too, that the Lakers offense right now is a very simplified version because they're just learning it. They're just figuring it out. Hopefully as the season goes on, it will get more complex and more complex and more complex. Okay. Again, not saying Vogel is perfect, but I think at this point you should be at least commended for the defensive teams that he's put out there. People saying, Oh, it's just LeBron and all things like that. Yeah. He's in a tough spot as far as that goes, right? People are always going to give the credit to LeBron and don't get me wrong. LeBron certainly deserves a lot of credit, probably the bulk of the credit for what the Lakers have done over the last few years. However, I think Vogel's defensive schemes have been a part of that. Again, that's my take. Uh, somebody said, why not play Siku Dumboya? He started for Detroit and is long enough to guard wings. I don't know. I don't know why, why Seiko didn't get minutes. It's possible that he just wasn't prepared. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe they didn't feel like he was ready in their system yet. They want to get him through some practice. Remember, he's only a two-way player, so he's not guaranteed minutes either. But didn't see those guys out. Didn't see him out there. I think you're right, though, in that we may need to see Siku Dumboya at some point in the next few weeks. Without Ariza, without THT, the Lakers can find themselves in some situations where they really need another wing defender. And Dumboya could potentially be that. He's still very young, 20 years old. So it depends on how he's looking in practice, but they may need to give him a look at some point. I'm hoping that the Lakers have some blowout wins early on so that they can put him into some games and let him get some experience that way rather than throwing him right into the fire and saying, hey, we really need somebody to go cool off. I don't know, Jimmy Butler tonight. Go defend him. That's tough, right? I'm hoping that he'll have a chance to get in some games in garbage time and blow out Lakers wins to get his feet under him. And then we can kind of get a sense for what he's got. All right, shall we do the master lock of the night? I think it's about that time. So the master lock of the night, let's do it and talk about who deserves to be put in Chris Masters master lock chat. Let me know what you guys think, who you would nominate to be put into the master lock. Here we go. Right, the master lock of the night. <laughs> I've got a lot of people. Oh my goodness. Somebody said Matt's Wi-Fi. That's still a thing. Man, 
guys hang on to things for a while there. Um, the master lock of the night, I've got a lot of people saying Anthony Davis. Uh, it was not a good shooting night for him, so I think that would be justified. Somebody said the guy who need LeBron James, uh, that would be Mo Harkless, and it was not intentional. If he threw a knee and it hit LeBron, he would have been a lock, would have been an easy pick for master lock of the night. However, he did not. Some people saying, <laughs> somebody saying I should get the master lock of the night. Some people say Ma master lock Rajon Rondo, man, you guys have some great suggestions. Master lock Rondo because he was somehow a minus 30. I don't even know how that happens. Honestly, he was a minus 30 on the night. That's crazy for it for Rajon Rondo. Uh, instead though, I am going to master lock a concept tonight rather than an individual player. There wasn't anyone who I felt was so completely annoying. I know a lot of people are upset with Anthony Davis for his shooting night and all that like understandable for me though. The most frustrating thing was the three point defense that particularly with this Kings team bombing away from three, when you're letting a guy come in off the bench and hit six for 13 from three and getting open look after open look, look, there's going to be nights when NBA teams are just knocking down shots, right? It's going to happen. NBA teams will get hot. They'll knock down shots. That's going to happen. But the Kings shot 36% from three and the Lakers gave them a lot of open looks. A lot of those were open. This could have been a bad shooting night for the Kings if the Lakers three-point defense was where it needed to be, especially with the volume. You have 40, uh, 47 attempts from three for the Kings. So three-point defense gets my master lock of the night. That is my number one thing. If I'm Frank Vogel, that's the number one thing that I am looking at heading into my game against the Golden State Warriors. And not just because it's the Warriors, but especially because it's the Warriors and you know they're going to be taking a lot of threes. That three-point defense has to get solved very, very quickly. If the Lakers, again, don't want to sound too ominous, but if the Lakers don't fix the three-point defense that we saw tonight, if it's the same against the Warriors, opening night is not going to be fun. That's got to get fixed first and foremost. It's a big problem that we saw tonight, and I do believe they can fix it. I think that they will, but that's priority number one. So the master lock of the night for me goes to the defense. Got to fix that. Caleb said, Trevor must be related to Davis since he didn't want to give the master lock to AD. Yeah, I know. We look just alike, don't we? So much. We're like twins. Myself and Anthony Davis. Uh, no, I, I didn't give it to AD simply because I didn't feel like Anthony Davis's shooting was the biggest concern of the night for me. Okay? Or the biggest annoyance. But that's me personally. I know some of you saw Anthony Davis. You expected this dominant performance. Didn't get that on the night. I thought defensively he was fine. Had a nice play where he went straight up. The Kings announcers were incensed. Couldn't believe that. I believe it was Darren Fox. Didn't get the foul call. But Anthony Davis played some, played some solid defense. Just shot wasn't falling. I'm going to chalk that up to a bad shooting night and believe that they'll be, uh, be dropping next game. But the three-point defense, that was the bigger concern for me. Uh, the Jamie from YouTube. The same way we feel about AD is the same way we should feel about LeBron. Oh, at center is the same way we should feel about LeBron at point guard. It's a perfect marriage. LeBron at point guard, it's just his natural position. Yeah, I mean, look, the Lakers are going to have LeBron handling the ball in crunch time in most games when push comes to shove. 
Russell Westbrook coming in is to help ease that burden. So LeBron at point guard doesn't ideally doesn't have to be everything the entire season. So he doesn't have to run the entire offense. Now I will say, unfortunately, that was the case tonight. As soon as LeBron went out, everything fell apart. Defense and offense fell to pieces. That's not good because the Lakers specifically got guys that they thought would be able to carry things when LeBron's not in. So he didn't have to do all of the heavy lifting. That was not the case tonight. Now, again, that's one game, but the hope is that over the course of the season, they can give the ball to LeBron late in games and he's fresh because he hasn't had to carry everything all season. Because look, let's face it, for the last two seasons, and you've heard me say this, I'm, we've been begging and pleading, please bench unit, just keep the score what it's at, right? You don't have to win a game, but don't lose it. Just don't lose the game. We can't have the bench come in and be a net negative and the starters have to constantly make up for that. Every time the starters come out, especially LeBron, every time he comes out, that lead gets dwindled away and then he comes back in and the lead extends again and then he has to take a rest and the lead goes down again. You don't want that effect. That yo-yo effect where the bench is constantly giving up leads and that's what we saw tonight. The bench got annihilated again minus 30 from Rajon Rondo that's something that hopefully will change as the season goes on but was not a good look this evening because specifically Russell Westbrook bringing him in was in part so that LeBron would not have to do all the heavy lifting all right guys Let's do one more. Somebody asked, why am I slumming in a t-shirt? I know I normally wear a colored shirt, but I was going through all my stuff and I just felt like breaking out the, the old LA brawn shirt for this one. All right, last one, and then we'll call it an evening. Somebody said, do you think Melo should start? I think based on the lineup that we saw tonight, the big lineup, I think that's cemented that DeAndre Jordan is going to start. The Lakers really like Dwight Howard. I think overall Dwight Howard is better than DeAndre Jordan, but the Lakers really like him coming off the bench. And for good reason, he really comes in and brings a lot of energy. So I think it's going to be DeAndre Jordan. I think Carmelo Anthony off the bench makes more sense based on what we've seen out of this starting lineup. And I know we've all been very in on Anthony Davis starting at the five. And I think we will still see some of that, but I don't know that you can go there just yet until the Lakers have everybody back and in place. So that's where I'm at. I think with the personnel they've got at the moment and what we've seen, that would suggest that you start AD at the four for the time being. And then maybe once you get all these players back and healthy, then maybe you reevaluate from there. But at the moment, I think that you need him at, uh, at the four. All right, guys, appreciate you joining me tonight. And uh, don't forget, subscribe to the Lakers nation, YouTube channel, ring that notification bell Tuesday. Oh, big day. Regular season starting up. Hopefully the Lakers can snap this losing streak and get a win against the Warriors on opening night. Till then, everybody. See ya and stay safe.